This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. This podcast is also available via Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and the iHeartRadio website and app. Coming up on this week's show, our featured guest will be Irishwoman Aileen Gilroy of the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. Also on the way, Alison Schiller is back with the Sandful Women's Report. Round one kicked off over the weekend. We've got our sided question of the week and Coach Kiwi returns with her kiss of death. But now, here's the latest women's footy news. So first, in case you've been living under a rock somewhere, we quickly recap the results from round two on Friday night. Melbourne 4-8-32, easily did away with the Western Bulldogs, two straight 12. Here's Melbourne's Shelley Scott speaking after the game. Um, just able to capitalise on a few opportunities, but um, we knew we had to come in hard and beat them around the ball to be able to come away with a win. So. Down in Launceston, the Kangaroos 6-1-37 defeat the GWS Giants 2-7-19. Here's Kangaroos captain Emma Carney. We were a bit flat after last week in tough conditions, but um, to come out here, we love playing down in Tasmania and um, good win for us. The Gold Coast got their first AFLW win in their history. 5-3-33, defeating the Richmond Tigers 2-10-22. Here's the Suns' Kate Sermon. Um, you know, I'm just stoked, you know, you know, we're such a good bunch of girls. We, you know, get along on and off the field. So for us, you know, we did it for, for us. So, mate, I'm just stoked. In the first ever AFLW Western Derby for Premiership points, the Fremantle Dockers smashed West Coast 9-6-60 to 2-3-15. Is Kiara Bowers. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling wrapped. I mean, we came out here and we wanted to get the four points and that's what we did. And I think we made a statement that we're going to be a hard team to beat. The Lions are sitting two and zip on the Conference A table after defeating Geelong 6-3-39 to 3-2-20 down at Cadinia Park. Here's Emily Bates. feels really good. Um, obviously, yeah, just to build that belief in the group. Um, you know, last week was a great win in itself, but we just reset and knew that, um, you know, we had a job to do today. And, yeah, getting that win on the road is a great feeling and looking forward to next week. Collingwood have finally got the monkey off the back, beating Carlton for the first time in AFLW history. 6-3-39 to 3-6-24. Here's Steph Giacci. Yeah, it feels good. It's been a long time coming. Um, been waiting a long time. Uh, but look, they're a fantastic side. They made a grand final last year. Uh, we knew it would take some really good footy to beat them. They were the number one team in uh, contested footy last week. So we wanted to make sure we matched them. And I'm so proud of our girls. Like We stuck it to them and, yeah, got the four points in the end. And the Adelaide Crows came from behind late in their match to defeat St Kilda at Richmond Dable, 6-4-40 to 4-3-27. Here's Courtney Gum. I think um, our intensity picked up in that second half and <clears throat> I think having five to six new players, it's hard. I think finally we played at the intensity that you need to at this level, <clears throat> which I feel like last week in the first half we didn't. So I think we stepped it up and hopefully we, hopefully we can maintain that. Turning to news from the match review officer and a number of players have been reprimanded for rough conduct. First of all, Karen Paxman of Melbourne accepted a reprimand for engaging in rough conduct against Ali Blackburn of the Western Bulldogs. Katie Jane Grieve of Fremantle has accepted a reprimand for engaging in rough conduct against Ashley Atkins of the Eagles. The Eagles' Kelly Gibson has accepted a reprimand for engaging in rough conduct against Janelle Cuthbertson of Fremantle. Georgie Rankin of the Cats has accepted a reprimand for engaging in rough conduct against 
against Sophie Conway. Britt Benici of Collingwood accepted a reprimand for rough conduct against Grace Egan of Carlton. And Eloise Jones of the Adelaide Crows accepted a reprimand for engaging in rough conduct against Tilly Lucas-Rod of St Kilda. That is uh, six players uh, fronting the match review officer for rough conduct, all accepting their early plea. To our NAB AFLW Rising Star nominations for round two, Fremantle's Roxanne Rue and Brisbane's Jesse Wardlaw have been named as the Rising Stars for round two. And in injury news, a devastating blow for Melbourne, losing forward Ainsley Kemp, who ruptured an ACL in her left knee. And now to our featured guest for this week on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival. She's one of 17 Irish women to be playing in the AFL Women's Competition this year. She represented Ireland in soccer at the under-17 and under-19 level, played Gaelic football with County Mayo, and now she finds herself as one of two Irish women at the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos alongside the big show, Mairead Showiger. It is great to have on the line Aileen Gilroy. Aileen, how are you? Good, how are you? How are you settling into life in Melbourne? Yeah, really good. I'm really enjoying it. Like, so far, we came out in October, so... Ever since that, then it's just been a roller coaster, and it's uh, it's been amazing. Like, so I can't complain. So let's rewind the clock back a bit to get to know you a little better. Um, you first actually made your name playing soccer in Ireland, representing uh, the under seventeens and under nineteens Irish national team. Yeah, um, I suppose that kind of like started off like in school, um, in my secondary school, and uh, we started playing soccer there, and then we did really well in like school uh, math and stuff like that. So we would have won like uh, All-Ireland back home, which was like a really big thing. And then I kind of got on the like school's under-15 Irish team. And then from that, then I got to call up with under-17s and just was really successful in that when we got to European final and we bet Germany like for the first time ever. So that was amazing. And then we got to go to Trinidad and Tobago for the World Cup uh, where we got to uh, quarter final and we were unlucky to lose out to Japan in that. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of like to sum that same few years up and then uh, went on to under 19s then. Uh, we played a few games but we didn't get as far um, with that, but uh, it was some great years. Can you talk a little bit about that, what you're doing your high school years, the training involved to play soccer at that level? As you said, particularly beating a German side, which of course the Germans are known for their discipline. Yeah, um, yeah it was obviously like, we were going in as the underdogs, which was like always extremely like pressures on us. Um, but it was it was good. Like um, obviously, like training our like manager uh, Noel King at the time was just amazing. Like he'd always get us up to Dublin. We were like nearly training every single weekend up there. If we had like a midterm at home, we'd be up there for the week just training. And we used to actually like play like under like fifteen boys and everything, trying to toughen us up. And uh, yeah, it was amazing back then. Um, it was just like always training and like our nutrition was always top class because we were always waiting and we were always getting recovered really properly. And it was just it was good. So what we put in is what we got out, and we were lucky enough to get to the World Cup like and do really well at that. And I think we surprised a lot of people along the way. As you said, you spent a lot of time training with soccer. So how did other sports fit into it, particularly Gaelic football? Did you manage to even squeeze in time for either camogie or rugby? Uh, no, definitely not camogie or rugby anyways. Uh, just kind of just for Gaelic football as well. Like during school, like you could have maybe 
a soccer match one um, for like on a Monday, and then you could have a Gaelic match on a Thursday. So you know, I was still keeping up my skills in that kind of sense as well. Um, but um, obviously, like Gaelic took um, like a backseat for a little while just because we were so busy with soccer and stuff like that. But any time that I had free time, like I'd be always like playing with my county Mayo if I got the chance at all. Like you no, know, like you just kind of had to pick and choose. But if um, like if there was any stage that I had to like free time that I could go and play Gaelic, like I was playing Gaelic. Uh, so that kind of just passed it on then and just kept the two of them going. Lucky enough. A little later on, we'll come to your current role at North Melbourne, where you're playing as a defender. But was that a typical uh, role that you were playing uh, either at Mayo or when you were playing in the Irish soccer team? Were you always a defender? No, um, I actually wasn't. Um, I was always like I played in the midfield for Gaelic or in the forward line. So, uh, But last year then when I was playing with Mayo, when I came back from doing my ACL, um, my manager was just like, oh, I think we should have a little look at you in, in the back line. And I was like, yeah, I'm always open to like doing it, whatever. And um, so that's kind of how it like started off that I was starting to become a defender and that. But uh, it was fine. Like when you're playing Gaelic anyways, you know, even if the ball is turned over, you're straight into like a defender's role. So you're always trying to get the ball back. So it kind of came a little bit easy as well. Can you talk to us about the ACLs? You've done it twice during your sporting career. What's it like? What's the support that you have there in Ireland in trying to do the recovery and come back, particularly when you're playing in an amateur sport? And we're probably imagining maybe not quite the same facilities, particularly when it comes to uh, to medicos and physios than than here in Australia. Yeah, um, to be fair, I did it in 2014. was the first time I was playing there challenge match back at home um, with Mayo and I just went up for a ball and I ended up just like landing wrong and it just went um, so yeah I got the operation inside maybe like six weeks which was good and then after that then because Mayo was still going um, I needed to go up training to see the physio and stuff like that so I was able to do that and keep on track as well and like when you get you get kind of with your insurance for Gaelic I was going into physio maybe at least once a week anyway. So that was outside of county setup. So that kind of kept me going then or whatever. And then I was back playing my first match inside eight months. Um, like I was hitting all the like right standards and everything like that when I came back. So um, yeah, that was it. Now it was tough. Like it was the early mornings that you'd have to get up and you'd have to go to the gym and do a little bit extra all the time, just try and keep on top of it. Um, but uh, yeah, then just like it was, it was obviously a little bit tougher, like when I compared to over here, I thought I was doing good at home. But like when you come over here, it's definitely a, it's a step up. Like, you know, they're really like here at North, like they're just amazing. Like all the physios, like the strength and conditioning coaches, like they're always talking to you about when I come over here. Like only when you come over here, you can see the difference how like professional the setup is. So you're coming back from your second ACL. You're worried if you're going to get back in finals time for Mayo. Around that time, the Crosscoders camp is happening in Ireland and you're not part of that, but you get a phone call out of the blue from North Melbourne. How did that come about? Yeah, so um, it was just kind of... There was a fellow that used to work um, for North that he used to recruit the men actually back home and um, he got on to Reese and was just like, oh, I think this girl could be good or whatever. And then he just got on to me. 
and Reese had like literally sent me a message over Facebook and was just like, oh, would you be interested in coming over? And then I just like sent one back saying, oh, I don't know about that. That I'm just after doing my second ACL and I don't think I'd be ready for it. And if I'm going to come out, I want to be 100%. I don't want you to see me at 70% and think that I'm no good. So he was just like, oh, we know he'd like done all the background search on me. He knew I had done it twice. And he was like, listen, it doesn't matter anyways. Like preseason doesn't start until October. So between that, I was like, okay, this is this is good. Um, obviously, it was something that I always wanted to do. Like, I suppose when you hear so many Irish girls going out and things like that, I was just like, I'd love to do that. Give it a go, see what happens. And then over the like few months, then Reese kept me in contact. So when I had to go up and get my checkup up in uh, Santry where I got the operation on, um, I need just to make sure that I'm hitting the right marks and stuff like that. Um so that was kind of it and then we just started off with that and then after that then we I made my final decision then like in August and I signed the papers and everything like that and then I uh, became a roo. Besides your physical fitness, it wasn't the easiest of decisions because if, if I believe if I'm correct uh, from reading the articles online, you were setting up a, a life in Wexford uh, with your boyfriend there and you were becoming a personal trainer. Yeah, that's right. So um, I moved down to Wexford last February it was and I just, because I had time to do it, um, like at home, it's like a four and a half hour drive from his house to my house. So I was just like, this is perfect time to like try and like see, do I like Wexford and move down and see how we get on. And then we just like, so then I got set up and then I got the message off Reese. So that definitely put a, um, a little twist on the story. But um, it was, it was still, it was fine. Um, then I was working down there so I had to like end up leaving a full time job and everything for this out here but uh, it was fine I think like I don't make when I look back on it I don't regret any decisions that I made and uh, hopefully when I go back after the season is over that I still have a job to go back to (laughs) Well the funny thing is it was a little bit easier to make the move down to Melbourne because I believe your sister had already moved ahead of you Yeah she did so her and her boyfriend came um, early last year and so I suppose um, I was kind of like on that. So she was just like, just try to come over. You don't know what it's going to be like. You, I say you're going to really enjoy it. So I suppose that definitely made the decision a lot easier. And then with Maraid as well, like being in the same club and everything, it was always going to help me as well. Like, you know, like I was always surrounded by Irish people as well. So I wasn't that nervous about coming over here. Um, and then obviously... We are living in a house here with all Irish girls as well. So there's actually a girl that plays with Carlton and there's a girl that plays with the Bulldogs out here as well. And we're all living in the one house. Of course, you're speaking of Joanne Doonan and uh, Ashling McCarthy as well. Um, and we should mention some of your Mayo uh, teammates moving out there. We know, of course, Sarah Rowe at Collingwood. And we should point out uh, Grace and Neve Kelly over at the West Coast Eagles on the other side of the country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... Uh, Mayo is definitely taking a hit in the football situations with the four of us out here at the minute. But uh, like at the same time, you still can't turn down this opportunity. Like it's an amazing opportunity, and Sarah like playing with Collingwood as well. So she's not even that far from here. So even if I want to meet up with her as well, um, it's it's optional. It's great. Like and the Kelly, the two Kelly sisters was down here for a friendly game, and uh, we met them after the match and everything as well. So that was really really nice. Prior to coming down to Melbourne, how crucial was it to get some game time uh, in the AFL Ireland women's competition? Albeit they don't play 16 aside, they play a lot smaller competition, even as low as 7 aside. But how important was it to get a little bit of game time with the oval-shaped ball? 
oh yeah, like it was really, really important just just to try and get my head around it. Obviously, I had never, ever like kicked or tried bounce uh, like uh, the footy. So I was like, oh, I need like a little bit of an insight in this. And uh, Michael was there in Ireland and he was there talking to me or whatever. And he's like, oh, we have like a little like games on or whatever. He's like, you should definitely come up. And I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. So I drove from Westford up to Dublin then that day or whatever. And we were playing games. So that was really, really nice. And um, that was just, it was give me an insight and even like some of the rules and stuff like that. So he was kind of talking towards the uh, during the game and everything like that to try and give me a better idea just of some of the rules and stuff like that so with that like Matt, Michael has been fantastic in that kind of sense to make sure that I was getting some time in before I came down over Now you've talked about how Reese identified you and called and wanted to get you over to Ireland can you talk about your initial conversations face to face with your coach Scott Gowans uh, what did he want to set out for you to achieve this year and, and how quickly did he identify your role that you were going to play as a defender? Yeah, um, well, I suppose they kind of had just seen videos of me from playing from Gaelic back home as well. And they were looking for a little bit of speed this year. So that's where they kind of were like, oh, I think this is where you could come in. Um, like, I'd be kind of fast. So that kind of, the, with that, they were kind of like, okay, that's good. And to be like sprinting off the half back, like that's what they want. Um, so that's how that kind of happened. And then when we FaceTimed like Scott as well, so he was just kind of like, oh, yeah, we're looking at that role for you how do you feel about that? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'm definitely open to like where I, you want to put me. Um, I'd be happy with anywhere. Like once I'm on the, on the track, like I'm happy. And so, yeah, he was just kind of going through. He's just like, we really like last year that they, they didn't, they kind of got shot at like, you know, they got a hard role last year and then they were unlucky to make, or to not make the semis. So this year, I definitely think there's a big push on for that and hopefully go all the way this year. And that's definitely what uh, Scott wants. And, as players, that's what we want as well, and to just be happy playing with the shin boners, and it's just it's class. What's the easiest part of the game that you've found to have picked up? Uh, the easiest part of the game, um, oh God, I don't know if there's too many to be honest. I I was about to say kicking, but it's definitely not kicking. I suppose the handball is probably the easiest because it's kind of the same way that we do it at home. Um, but the tackling is a little bit different as well. But and even the movement is different. Like it's like it has. Um, similar things but then other things it's like completely different um, I suppose marking the ball as well we'd have a better idea of that as well so it's probably just marking and the handball has uh, been the easiest one to get my head around Can you talk about the movement and, and what you see from a Gaelic football and even soccer perspective out there on the ground because we remember chatting with some of the cross coders when they came out to Melbourne for the first ever camp two years ago and they watched the VFLW grand final and they talked about how it was kicked straight down the lines when they said from Gaelic they would have been more looking to, for sideways movement what are you seeing differently out there on the field yeah definitely I think um, at home like it's kind of you have to like keep your like take a really big picture so you can see everything the opposite side and like I kind of feel like over here it's kind of like you get it out of traffic and you kick, a, you kick it straight back into traffic whereas if we were at home oh my god you'd never do that oh god <laughs> you'd be in so much trouble like uh, but yeah that's definitely kind of that kind of sense as well like I think that's some part that that movement that we are trying to do uh, it's just taking a little bit longer um, but uh, yeah like that definitely in that kind of sense it's, it's a little bit different how we'd move the ball at home like when since we've been playing since we were like under 10s we were always taught to take it and come back around the other side where the space is 
Whereas, like, well, I suppose with AFL, you don't have the time as well. Like, a girl can come in and taxi you, like, straight away. So uh, you don't really have time for taking pictures. It's always been said with the Irish women that the one thing they've tried to get used to with the game that obviously doesn't feature in Gaelic football is the tackling element. You seem to have taken to it like a duck to water. The most famous vision, of course, is of you taking down Alicia Newman of Melbourne in that game out there in round one at Casey Fields. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, I don't know. I was kind of just a leg race back and I was hoping to get the ball and she got in front of me and then I thought that she was just going to turn. So I didn't really have another option. I was just like, I have to tackle her. So I just, I seen the opportunity. I thought it was the best decision for the team and I just went for it. So uh, that was kind of it. And I suppose we uh, got like some um, tackling drills in at, in, at, uh, in the, at the north as well. So that definitely, definitely helped. And just I seen the opportunity and I went for it. What was the talk coming out of that game, round one against Melbourne? Going into it, everyone was expecting it to be a bit of a coin flip game. Many of us probably tipped the ruse to beat the Demons simply because of the injuries that the Demons have. But to Melbourne's credit, in windy conditions at Casey Fields, uh, they managed to get the win. What was the talk on the things that you had to improve on prior to going against GWS in that game at Launceston? Yeah, um, I suppose you learn more from a lot than you do from a win. And we probably were like hoping to get that win that time, but obviously it didn't come off. But you have to give it to Melbourne their their credit, like with all their injuries they have, and they definitely came out there fighting out to the blocks. And like we were trying to move the ball, and they were in out, up on top of us straight away, like blocking it down and putting high pressure on us. And yeah, that was definitely like you can't take it away. I think that Melbourne just played uh, good, and we didn't play as good as them, and that resulted in a win for them. So at Launceston, you beat the GWS Giants. Um, it wasn't an easy game. They probably kicked themselves out of it a little bit, but you took home the four premiership points, which was most important. Uh, what has Scott seen so far out of that game that he liked that you improved on from the week prior? Um, I suppose it's just kind of our ball movement and how we were moving the ball. I think that's definitely one thing that we wanted to do. And that's what I think that we got that in the end. Uh, probably not in the first quarter. And like Scott hasn't, uh, we hadn't training yesterday, so we had another rest day. So he get us in tonight now when we talk to us and see what he wants for the next day. Like once we're improving every single game, uh, that's all he wants. And hopefully then by the end of the round that we are where we want to be. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, how have you gotten used to the professionalism of Australian football when you're sitting there, when you're sitting in the theatre, when you're going through video? Does this compare to anything back home? A little bit, I suppose, like the, like your stats and your analysis is it's definitely um, a level up here. Like then at home, you could be in like watching video analysis maybe for half an hour, whereas then you could be in the theatre here for like an hour, like just going over things, what we did well, what they did well, what we have to go on. Um, so that kind of sense is definitely, it's, it's, and even all the stats that we get as well, it's, it's really impressive and like if like it always helps us like do you know what we exactly know what we did wrong and what we did actually good and what we need to keep doing um so that kind of sense is definitely um it's really really good over here like you can't fault it and um yeah so that's it's just really really good and it's definitely a little bit better over here than it is at home
Let's talk about the support that you've been getting while playing for the Kangaroos. One thing I noticed out of the uh, bigfooty.com forum, which is one of the largest uh, online footy forums there is for uh, Aussie rules, uh, in the North Melbourne thread, their supporters have pulled their money and got behind you as a player sponsor. Do you kind of find that surreal that all of a sudden you've got a little bit of a cult following? Yeah, oh my God, I was so shocked when they came up and told me that. I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. I suppose just being an Irish girl and just coming into the setup, I, I was expecting, you know, hopefully that I'd do okay this year, but like to do okay and then hopefully get to resign to next year. Um, but like to be here and like people like sponsor me and everything like that, like I'm so grateful and I'm actually so honoured. Like there's amazing girls around me and like they deserve every single bit of it as much as uh, we do. Um, but it's yeah it's amazing like I'm absolutely honoured to be getting those kind of roles because when they said it to me first I didn't even understand what it was and then they were like oh just talking through whatever they were explaining it all to me and I was like oh my god this is amazing I didn't think a girl from County Mayo would be um, doing this like I'm actually living my dream out here it's great Does it blow your mind that there are 17 Irish women running around in this foreign game in Australia just four seasons in? Um, I suppose a little bit, but saying that again, like I don't know, it's just it's 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 as I said, it was it's similar enough to the game at home, so it doesn't really surprise me in another way as well. Like just even the four girls out here, like and living with the girls, like we're just I suppose we're honoured, and it's it's just class opportunity for us, and like we're like so honoured to have it all as well. Like it's 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 class, it's unbelievable, and hopefully for the more like few more years of finish that more girls are coming out as well so um, to live the life that we're living it'd be, it's great As you go on for the rest of the seasons not even talking about finals yet but at least for just the, the home and away season of 2020 what do you personally want to achieve on now that you've played your first two games is it improvement in kicking efficiency is it marking is it tackling uh, what element of your game would you like to personally improve Um, Probably um Probably my tackling, I suppose, as well, that I get more stuck in as I am a defender. So I want to get my like my tackling numbers up a little bit more and uh, just make sure that I'm doing that properly and to get myself involved in the game as well and to bring the girls in if I do make a good tackle that will drive us on a little bit more. Um, yeah, so definitely tackling is definitely one thing that uh, I'd like to improve on and I feel like that's probably something that I could be stronger at. So that's definitely what I, I want to improve on is definitely tackling. Out of your teammates, who are you in awe of the most? Who's impressed you out in the training track that you go, geez, if I can follow her, I'm doing okay? Oh, there's so many, to be honest. Like, you you have, like, our captain, obviously, Emma Kearney, but, like, after that thing, you have everyone. Like, everyone, everyone's a leader, to be honest. And, um, like, Jazzy, there's the weekend herself. Like, even the last, like, round one as well and round two, she has been amazing, like, and, uh, Jen as well like oh there's just so many they're amazing and even Gibbo there at the back like as well that's always talking to you or Tani or Tal like it's they're all just amazing and then you know you have you go up front and then you have like the likes of Ab as well like her goal there at the weekend was amazing like from that angle but like there was never at any stage where I was just like oh I don't think she put this over like I see her training and I see what she can do and what she's capable of doing and I knew well that she was going to get that goal at the weekend so you know, like we're all, it's, it's, they're just amazing. They're all leaders right over the pitch. And even when you come off, um, in rotation as well, like they're talking to you, like, you know, like we've Matt there, Scott, and, uh, talking to us. And 
uh, Scott and everything. So like right across the border from management to players, there's all leaders. And to be honest, I look up to every single one of them because they've brought me on so much. Like when I came out in um, October, I didn't even know how to kick a football. And then like they took me under the wings and now I'm playing, I played round one and I've played round two and hopefully I'll be playing round three, like hopefully. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's been amazing and they've all been leaders to me, to be honest. And one last question before we let you go, and we ask this of every AFLW footballer. What does it mean to you personally if you sit down at the computer, you type in your name into Google and it comes up Aileen Gilroy, AFLW footballer? Yeah, I suppose, as I said, like, it's a dream come true. I didn't think at, like, 27 years of age that I'd be doing this. And, like, even when I compare, like, when I think about where I was this time last year, if someone had told me this, that I didn't think that it actually happened. But it, it has happened, and I'm, it's it's just amazing. And every single day I wake up, I feel like it's not real life that I'm living. I'm just here in Australia, like, training and, like, just living the professional life that we'd love to do at home. Um, yeah, so it's it's just been amazing. Like I, it's so surreal, and I'm just enjoying every single day. Every time I'm going out on the pitch, um, like you're learning. Every time that you're going up and you have meetings with your Lions coach, whatever it is, you're always learning. Um, so it's it's great. But obviously, I want to just keep improving and prove myself and make everyone at home, like my family and friends and my boyfriend, like really really proud. Well, Aileen, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best this weekend when you take on Richmond at Princess Park and for the remainder of the AFLW 2020 season. That's perfect. Thanks a million for having me, Peter. Don't go anywhere. We've still got to come. The cited question of the week, the Sample Women's Round 1 Report with Alison Schiller of the Two Crows Podcast and Coach Kiwi's Kiss of Death. That's all coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. You got any more questions? Question of the week. Useless. The Oxford Dictionary defines the adjective as not fulfilling or not expected to achieve the intended purpose or desired outcome, or in an informal context, having no ability or skilled in a specified activity or area. Useless. It's just one word. But when semi-professional footballer Stacey Livingston used it when talking about the opponent she'd beaten on Sunday, one Taylor Harris... Social media fired up. Um, this is year four, so I'd, I'd like to know that I, or I'd like to think that I know how to play on her already. Uh, but you just got to stop her in the air. That's her. That's her game. And if you can do that, she's she's useless. Livingston's comment immediately drew the ire of Carlton's head coach Daniel Harford, who returned fire on his RSN 927 program, The Breakfast Club. Anyone who's seen <laughs> Taylor play would know that when the, what's the detail of the conversation, the comment from Stacey doesn't actually stack up. Doesn't stack up. Taylor's more than capable when the ball's on the ground. Whatever your views on the playing abilities of Taylor Harris, this little bit of smack talk from Stacey Livingston, whether intentional or unintentional, has created water cooler talk for the AFLW. Here's something to consider. 
AFLW video snippets that are normally posted by the 7AFL Twitter account struggle to get above 2,000 views each. The video featuring Stacey Livingston's post-match comments has attracted nearly 100,000 views in less than 48 hours. In an age when the AFL men's footballers are media trained so much that they all have the public persona of paint drying on a wall, it's refreshing to hear someone real. Do you agree that the smack talk coming out of AFLW Round 2 has been good for the competition? Vote now on our cited debates question of the week at warfradio.com. And now joining us for the first time in 2020 here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. It's great to have back on the line from South Australia, one of the co-hosts of the Two Crows podcast for the Sanford Women's Report. It's the one and only Alison Schiller. Ali, how are you? Absolutely fantabulous. Footy is back. Indeed it is. We kicked off with Friday Night Football, round one of the Sanford Women's Competition for 2020, down at the home of the Premiers uh, at Flinders University Stadium, the South Adelaide Panthers. I hate to say it, but on Valentine's Day, they broke the heart of the Eagles. They defeated Woodsville West Torrens by four points. (laughs) Well, that makes my line sound even better now. So thank you for that, Peter. Yes, uh, the Panthers, 4-4-28, defeated the Eagles, 3-6-24. And yes, and after unfurling their Premiership flag, the Iranian Premiers, could have been left dateless on Valentine's Day, but they managed to come home with the chocolates over a much improved Woodward West Torrent. How's that? Is that good? That, keep going? That's okay. very good. <laughs> Roll on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just starting low, and then it can only go up from there. Uh, the Panthers kicked two goals in their second and fourth quarters, uh, while the Eagles, after a second quarter fight back to take the lead, were held scoreless for the third and just could not convert in the final quarter. They held the Panthers to one point and gave themselves plenty of opportunity, but it kicked four behinds instead. For the sounds for highlights, uh, Buchanan marked solidly out in front, slotted the first goal of the SNFLW season for the Panthers. Uh, Jess Kirk was brilliant, had some great marks, a really solid kicking straight in front of goal. The Eagles brought the ball back um, in after a point. The player went to do a nice little loopy handball, but South Callie Wilson sucked the mid out took it one-handed and then slapped it on the boot and slotted it through for another goal, just further adding more heartbreak to the Eagles. Landon for the Eagles set sail with a kick that appeared to be bouncing through the goals and would have put them in front in the 15-minute mark of the final quarter. But Lucy Northcott's desperation to get the ball was inspiring, all but sealing the win for the Panthers. For the Eagles, new recruit in the Cole Collins slotted the first for North and then the Zekovic marked and gold nicely. They had to wait till almost half time before Cavallaro slotted another one through, and that was a nice goal on the run. That actually put the Eagles in front, uh, but it was not to be. Notable Ali Evans battled hard all day. For the stats, the goals for Buchanan, this is the South, sorry, Buchanan, Kirk, Nias, and Wilson. For the Eagles, Cavallaro, Colley, and Zekovic. For the team stats, South led the way in disposals, kicks, marks, scoring accuracy, hit out, clearances, and inside 50. For the Eagles, it was handballs, tackles and rebounds that did them well. The best for South was Kavoris, McKinnon, Tahu, Charlton and Platt. For the Eagles, Ali Evans, Zwill, Tab and Walker. The Eagles impressed with their first outing for the year, showing good improvement from last, but the Premier Panthers keep the points for round one. 
Chrissy Steen is now coach at North Adelaide and uh, she had an emphatic round one victory over uh, Glenelg. Uh, the Roosters 7 defeating the Bays 2-10-22. Yeah, the Roosters getting home there by 22 points there, Peter. So a cockle-doodle do. I get to use that again. Chrissy Steen, correct. The Roosters were up and crying Saturday morning with an inspired second quarter. It set them up nicely. Kicking four goals while the Tigers will be kicking themselves as they're about as accurate as a stormtrooper in front of the big six. It all started well for the Tigers, though, with Bradley kicking Cooley in front of goal. They were leading by four points at quarter time. But then the goals came from a free to Tynan. And then in that penalty resulted in a Kelly Baltrop, who's the SNFLW leading goal kicker. North then, there was a great puck marking conversion from Ewing. A free for holding led the castle converting in front. Baltrop then lined up again from just outside the top of the square. There was further pain in the third quarter where a great team effort and end-to-end for North, resulting in a Gordon Jimmy. And when everyone missed the mark at the top of the Tigers' gold square, the effort from Bates resulted in a much-needed score. Kat Reynolds put some soccer skills on show for North to finish out the game with a beautiful goal. For the stat sheet, North, Baltrop kicking two and singles to Ewing's Castle, Gordon and Reynolds, while for the Tigers, Bates and Bradley kicking singles. For the team stats, uh, the Tigers were a much better team than this game result actually shows, leading the stats sheet in the following. Disposals, kicks, disposal efficiency, tackles, headouts, clearances, while their scoring accuracy of 17% is what would leave the most bitter taste. For North Adelaide, the handballs, marks inside 50s, rebound 50s, scoring accuracy got them to the line of well and truly. The best for North were Castle, Daniel, Tyner and Zabie. For Glenelg, Franson, Freeman, Earl and Moon. And I actually managed to catch up with Chrissy Steen at the Crows game yesterday. And she said how they played in the second quarter is how they want to play all year. They want that to be their trademark. And if they can maintain that, it'll put them in a good place at the pointy end of the season. But of course, the key to that is consistency. But she was very, very happy with the win. Our third game of round one, while Sturt had the Blues going down to <laughs> West Adelaide, 2-3-15 to 5-6-36, a win for the Bloods. Yeah, so Mike Moody's now in charge of old West Adelaide and Bruce Stewart's the coach in Sturt. Uh, Mike Moody would have been feeling quite chipper by the end of that one. As you mentioned, West getting up by 21. Kasaya Colhane opened up West Adelaide's 2020 account with a goal around the five-minute mark. Then we had to wait for the second quarter for West Elswood to kick another one. And then it was Cahane and Elswood repeating this effort in the third quarter, restricting Sturt to just one behind. The double blues woke up in the final quarter when Aladis and Bella Gem gave them hope. But then up popped Benning and she sealed the deal for the Bloods. Rochelle Martin, who debuted last week uh, at the AFLW level as a Crow, as a top-up player, which sort of says enough about where the Crows' injury levels are at, but she's had a taste for AFLW now, and she played well, finishing with 50 disposals, 11 tackles, 5 clearances. But Abby Ballard was the absolute standout. 27 disposals, 5 marks, 4 tackles, and 9 clearances. The double blues, Georgia Bevan and Maya Ritzer fought hard, while Jericho had a great debut game with 11 disposals and 4 tackles. The goals for West, Kulhane and Elswood 2, winning 1. For Sturt, Lattice and Ballard singles. The team stats. West led the way in disposals, handballs, tackles, scoring accuracy, clearances, and inside 50. While Sturt, it was kicks, disposal efficiency. Mark, just a note there, are 46 to 20. Hit out 28 to 15 and rebounds 19 to 11, which should give them some good hope moving forward. The best for the West was Ballard, Martin, Benning, and Culhane. For Sturt, Seven, Rigta, and Krenzler. 
Whilst it was a very moody Christmas for the Westies, yes, I went there, the double blues just need a few tweaks and I'm pretty sure they'll bounce back. And in the final game of round one, Central District Bulldogs 5-3-33 defeated the Redlegs 4-5-29. Yeah, a bit of an upset there. You had um, last year's top of the ladder finishing Norwood being defeated by Centrals, who really had a hard crack at it last year, being their first year in the actual league. Um, Ex-Crow Caitlin Rosenzweig certainly pressing her case early in round one to possibly be reconsidered for a career in the AFLW. But it was red leg Joe Hu who up in the game up with two minutes in with a beautiful goal, which would have had the doggies nervous already. They steadied in the second and grabbed the goal from Lane, but then Big spoiled the party, kicking one before the 10-minute mark. I would love to have known what Sean Ribbons, the coach of the Bulldogs, said at halftime to his charges, and in particular, Caitlin Rosenzweig, but it worked a treat. She kicked two goals to Hills one and then finished off the final quarter with another two goals, uh, including the match winner. Halfpenny or Halfpenny, however they would like to pronounce it, put one through, but it was too late. The Doggies upsetting last year's minor premier by four points. The goals for Central's Rosenzweig four, Lane at one, Norwood Hill two, Big and Halfpenny singles. For the stats for the team sheet, Central's led the way in disposal efficiency, tackles, Scoring accuracy, just to give you a hint there, it was 63 to 44% and rebounds. For Norwood, they led the way in. Disposals, kicks, handballs, marks, 55 to 25 if you don't mind. Contested marks, hit outs, 32 to 11. Clearances and inside 50. Which only proves one thing. The stats can lie, and as Daryl Kerrigan would say, it's what you do with it. The best for Centrals were Smith, Hoon, Rosenzweig and Abby Shear. Well, for Norwood, I have had to change the order of these players. You can work that one out. Xander, Bush, Farrell, Hill and Big were the best ones for the day. Central's great first game. Red legs efficiency will be the key for them moving forward. Let's have a look ahead to round two and get your tips. Uh, three games on the Friday, one on the Saturday. Double header at High Sense Stadium. Uh, West Adelaide play host to the Bays. Yeah, this one would be really interesting because if the Tigers were accurate, um, that would have been a very interesting game up against North Adelaide. But Westies at home, I'm going to go West. But it would not surprise me if there was a little bit of an upset, but West is in writing. The second game of the doubleheader there at Richmond Oval High Sense Stadium, uh, Woodville West Orient Eagles versus the Norwood Redlegs. Yeah, I think the Norwood are due to bounce back at this. They dominated the stat sheet, but now they need to do something with it. But I think they might just take the chocolates over the Eagles and run out victors. At Flinders University Stadium on Friday night, the Panthers versus the Double Blues. Yeah, I think the Blues might be maintaining the Blues and the Panthers maintaining the rage. I'm going to go to South there for the win. And on the Saturday at Ex-Convenience Oval, the Central District Bulldogs versus the North Adelaide Roosters. Ooh, this one could be could be coming into match of the ranch. I'd love to see what the Bulldogs can do. But I will back in North there, but it is out um, in the Bulldogs' way. But I'll back in North. And Ali, before we let you go, where can people find your Two Crows podcast? Well, funnily enough, it's at Two Crows podcast, hashtag Two Crows footy. And you can catch us on there on Podbean, iTunes, Insta, you name it. We can find you and we know where you live. Thank you very much, Ali. That's Alison Chiller for the Two Crows podcast joining us with the Sample Women's Report. Been playing for a while. 
sweet kicks Cause footy makes you smile Sweet kicks football If you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet kicks football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football it's the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast here on RSN Carnival and it's time for everyone's favourite segment. Thanks to the Sweet Kicks Football Academy, it's Coach Kiwi's Kiss of Death and we've got on the line Sydney women's football legend, Lisa Roper. Coach Kiwi, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you doing? And boy, what a weekend of football that was. Uh, not as good as you. Six out of seven, would you mind, for last week's tips? Yeah, how incredible is that after last week? Um, however, if you looked at it for kiss of death, perhaps that's not quite working to charm yet. <laughs> you did not get the Bulldogs uh, against Melbourne. Let's talk about Melbourne because they've got the Friday night game again this week. Uh, first time under lights at Moorabbin, Friday 7.10pm. We're going to see the Saints versus Melbourne, a team that's zip and two versus a team that's two and zip. I'll tell you what, first of all, I'll begin with the home side, the Saints. Unlucky against the Adelaide Crows. They were leading with about five minutes to go. Uh, an injury occurs to Clara Fitzpatrick. And then all of a sudden from that point, just that breather just seemed to switch Adelaide on. And it gave them that five-minute period to kick three goals and take the points by uh, 13. Yeah, certainly that was um, a, a big whack that Clara took and probably, yeah, did have a bit of a whack across the, the team's emotions there. Um, for a while there, that second half, Adelaide always looked like they were going to come back and score. They just had the goods. They just cleaned up a lot of their um, inefficiencies around the field. And, um, you know, they, they continued to take some really good grabs of the ball. And I think, without a doubt, St Kilda, their, win, their first win is not far away. They're playing some good football. They've just got to keep it going for a longer period of time. Um, but, you know, they're exciting. And, um, you know, it was a good game right to the end. So, yeah, state supporters would have been on the edge of their seats for sure. They're up against Melbourne, who had that win in the wet against the Western Bulldogs, 4-8-32 to two straight 12. So Melbourne, despite all those injuries, have been chugging along okay. The first game against North, they probably would have written off as a loss. That was a bonus. Against the Bulldogs side that put away St Kilda in round one, they'd be happy to get that win on the road. All of a sudden, Melbourne are at the halfway point of trying to make the finals. They've still got to come back. Remember, Lauren Pierce will make her way back at some stage, probably at the halfway point. Lily Mithen as well. So in the midfield, there is the potential to get stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sadly, they lost another player on Friday night. Ainsley Kemp went out with an ATL injury at the end of the game as well. So, so um, yeah, their their playing list is is dwindling away quite quickly. Um, but yeah, they do have a couple to look forward to. They're also in, I think, um, a tougher pool. There's a few others in there with with a couple of wins. 
So um, that might be in the back of their mind. But um, yeah, Friday night, I think they controlled the conditions better with that wet footy. It rained, um, you know, got heavier during the game. And they just seemed to adapt a lot better. They um, just played a much better style of football. And Bulldogs just looked rattled. They looked rattled all over the park. And um, it did look like um, the, a few personnel sort of paid a bit of attention to one particular demon rather than going the footy. Um, and, you know, I think that's just where demons just keep playing the football and playing the football and um, came out with a very solid win in the end. So who wins Friday night, 7.10pm at Moorabbin? Melbourne, a full seven days rest. St Kilda on the short break because they played the Sunday, just the five days rest and coming back from Adelaide. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tip the Ds this weekend. I've gone against them for two weeks in a row and they've, they've cost me. <laughs> so now I'm going to tip them. They better not let me down. And how much for the Ds to win by? Um, I'm going to give them... Out there, it could be windy. They used to win Cranbourne. I'm going to give them uh, three goals. Let's turn our attention to Saturday in the first game, 3.10pm, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. It is the prior game between the Western Bulldogs and Carlton at VU Witten Oval. Uh, both sides coming off a loss after a win in round one. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the Doggies in wet conditions, they would have been disappointed, uh, particularly uh, with the use of the ball in their own forward half against Melbourne. Carlton looked flat, particularly after a rampaging win against Richmond in round one. So both teams looking to put their finals campaign back on track at one and one. Uh, they're both in Conference B. So I hate the cliche, Kiwi, but it truly is an eight-point game. Yeah, it really is. Whoever wins this one is definitely going to, um, you know, feature better in the in the rankings on that ladder. It's um, it's yeah, a lot on the line, not just the four points as you said, and yeah, most out worth the eight, I guess. Um, and it's going to be a tight one. I think um, Bulldogs at home, probably after last week's game, won't play that kind of footy again, I imagine. And um, I'm certain that they're going to be a lot more aware of how important a win is this weekend too. Um, and, you know, Carlton have come off where they started the game pretty solid. It um, for a while looked like it was going to be a high-scoring game. And then it seemed like Collingwood just adapted better and really shut down um, the, the areas that Carlton were exploiting against them. So um, I think both these teams are going to come out firing. I think it's going to be extremely close. And if I could tip a draw, I probably would. But I think Carlton, Carlton by two. So Carlton by two points for you. Is there big pressure on Taylor Harris coming into this game for two points? Not the obvious one, which made news during the week, which I'll touch on in a moment. But first of all, about a year ago, this was the ground. This was the game. Carlton v. the Western Bulldogs. That There was the photo of Taylor Harris with that famous kicking action, which would later be made into a statue, uh, into a T-shirt. Um, and, of course, as we know, when Channel 7 posted the image on social media, all those uh, trolls coming out with those uh, disgusting comments that they made about Taylor... 
Um, so it's a year since that. This is the game. This is the ground that happened at a year ago. And then, of course, we pile on top from this weekend when the comments from Stacey Livingston, who beat her on the weekend and essentially said oh, along the lines of, oh, once you beat Taylor Harris in the year, you know, she's pretty much useless. More it's the word useless that everyone fired up about. So no doubt after those comments and all that pulled together, all the attention's on Taylor this weekend. Yeah, look, um, I think we all sort of know and appreciate and respect the absolute aerial ability that Taylor has. And and Stacker is, I know I know her through Collingwood, and she's a bit of a cheeky um, character anyway, and she just probably spent a whole game getting the better of Taylor. And, um, and she, you know, perhaps used perhaps the wrong word, but I've heard her say it before, and she doesn't use it with any venom. She just uses it as a bit of cheek. Um, and, you know, defenders do like to get under their opponent's skin. That's sort of another part of their game. And, you know, without a doubt, she would have studied and looked at all the all the good aspects of Taylor's game and tried to nullify that to, um, to assist the Collingwood win in the weekend. So I think it's taken a little bit out of proportion. I think it's just a cheeky comment. And um, certainly those two have probably had a conversation on the field anyway um, is the way, you know, Stacker tends to play. Um, and, you know, certainly if you can stop Taylor in the air, it does stop a big aspect of her game for sure. Um, but the thing with Taylor is, you know, with the trolling even last year, she bounces back really, really well. And um, she's got a very strong head on her shoulders. And um, and she's able to have a good laugh about things as well and laugh about herself. And um, I'm certain that, you know, she'll just come back stronger this weekend I think she'll be in fine form for Colton. And, um, yeah, I don't think that she's going to let these um, kind of comments really get to her. Now for the first ever women's Q clash at uh, 4.10pm Queensland time at Metricon Stadium. The Gold Coast Suns versus the Brisbane Lions. Uh, Gold Coast at the moment sitting at 1-1. One and one. Remember, they lost their first game by just a point in horrendous conditions. Took care of Richmond at home. The Brisbane Lions, two and zip. It's amazing for a side that really got gutted over the last couple of years. Yeah, this is um, going to be an interesting game for sure. Um, obviously, the Gold Coast is a chunk of them that played for the Lions, so they know um, their structures and their style and their former teammates really, really well. Um, I thought the Lions probably in the weekend missed a little bit up forward. They seem to not really have a genuine target or um, some genuine pace that they've been pretty pretty handy with over the last couple of years. Um, hopefully, Wushka's back. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how she's going, if she'll make a return. But they definitely need her back on, in the line. Um, having said that also, Gold Coast played very well in the weekend and their experienced players stood up strong and, um, you know, did a, did a really good job over Richmond. We look at some of the better players, Kate Sermon, uh, Leah Kasler, who we expect. Lauren Arendt had been playing in the VFLW, originally for Melbourne Uni, then to Essendon via St Kilda. Um, Jamie Stanton, the question is, will she be playing? At the time of recording, there was doubts because she had a shoulder injury. She she came off clutching her shoulder, I think it was during the second quarter. During the third quarter, she came back out on the ground. The shoulder was taped up. Then Katie Brennan said, let's test out the shoulder. So we don't know how much damage, if any, that Katie did to um, Jamie Stanton then, but no doubt, as we said, taped up. She'll be keen as master to want to play in this Q clash, but whether they give her the okay is the question. 
Yeah, for sure. And um, I would really hope that if she has any kind of injury, they didn't put her back on the field. I think, you know, there is a bit of duty of care and you've got to look after the players more than the results of the game, um, at, you know, really. And um, I hope that, you know, she was back on, she finished that game, so she should be available this weekend. And, um, yeah, she'll be really important for them as well. Even without Wichita missing for the Brisbane, they've got to be excited about Jesse Wardlaw. Um, you know, three goals uh, on the weekend in the match against Geelong and named uh, the best player on ground for Brisbane, Sophie Conway, which is fantastic to see, particularly coming off the uh, back of that knee injury from last year. Yeah, it was good to see Sophie running around so freely and um, she looked like she was controlling a little bit of that forward line too. Um, and Jesse Wardlaw, wow, um, she's an exciting young player. I think she's only 20. So, um, and out of, you know, the Queensland Academy. So, fantastic. They've got a young local star getting in there and getting involved and, you know, kicking kicking goals even without their other regular goal contributors in so, the team. So, yeah, exciting. So, for the first ever women's Q clash for Premiership points, who wins and by how much for the Suns and Lions? Um, I'm going to go Lions by seven points. There we are. The Lions to win by seven points, according to Coach Kiwi. The final game on the Saturdays, and that is at uh, 5.10 p.m. Uh, WA time. Um, is that correct? No, pardon me, 4.10 p.m. WA time. Three hours difference from uh, the East Coast during daylight savings. Um, at Fremantle Oval, it's Fremantle versus Collingwood. Both sides in Conference B. Both sides coming in two and zip. Yeah, uh, they're both playing really good footy. You know, the Fremantle locals will be getting behind this game in huge numbers, without a doubt. And um, I think, you know, they did that. They got behind the team with the um, Derby, Derby, in the weekend. And um, there's some exciting players. You know, Roxy Roo, how how outstanding is she going? Um, And Little Duffy, I just call her Little Duffy because I think she's just small in stature but playing huge in the way she's a target up there. She's kicking goals. She's, you know, highly mobile, getting all around the field. So they've got some really good players. And then you've got, you know, the likes of um, Juddy and um, Ebony Antonio and Cara Bowers, you know, the, the tackle effort she does and then gets the ball and wins it and brings it forward. So I think um, three are going great, fantastic. I also think they're going to come against the Collingwood team on a bit of a high. I don't think they've – well, they haven't, they haven't done two in zip for the first two rounds in AFLW. So there'll be certainly a, a bit more belief in the team and a bit more belief in their processes. I do feel Collingwood have just got enough quality players around the field and enough experience around the field. And they've shown already West Coast got them in that first quarter. I thought Carlton sort of put some pressure on them to start the game. They're able to adjust and come back stronger. And I think they are going to get the edge over Fremantle. And I'm going to go Collingwood by two goals. You mentioned about Kiara Bowers. It's just so fantastic to see after all the injuries that she's had over the last few years, her reaching the potential. She was dominating WA women's football prior to the AFLW. She just got unlucky through injury in the beginning years of the AFLW. She's hitting her straps now. And she said, you know, she's got the great support around her by Horton, Gooch, Rowe, the Antonios. All of a sudden, it's just looking like a very settled, even side with the great mix of superstars at Fremantle. Very hard 
hard to beat at home. But then again, like you said, when you look at the Collingwood Magpies, Britt Benici, of course, with that standout game, they found that Irish and Ashlyn Sherrod, and boy, has she been sensational. She was named amongst the top three, kicked a goal. Jordan Membry, great to see her after being delisted, then relisted, and kicking two goals in that game as well. Yes, certainly. Um, Ash Sheridan was one of the original cross-coders that came over with um, Lauren Sparks' group. And I thought she was talented then. I was surprised then she wasn't picked up. So I'm stoked she's um, finally been picked up. And, uh, yeah, I think we're just going to see more and more of her. I think she got up to one, you know, quite a heavy contested mark. She, um, she, you know, really put her body in the way and made a good contest of it. And, you know, seeing these Gaelic players come in and do that in this game, but, you know, after only a short while, it's kind of exciting to see. And then, you know, they've just got that explosive speed and, um, you know, and she'll kick off both feet, left or right footed. It's, it's pretty exciting to see. We turn our attention to Sunday, 1.10pm local time, Blacktown International Sports Park. The GWS Giants versus the West Coast Eagles. The Giants come in with a 1-1 one and one record. The West Coast Eagles still searching for their first win of not only the season, but their time in the AFLW. Yeah, this is um, this will be an interesting match. Um, West Coast obviously have two Giants playing for them. In um, Emma Swanson, former marquee, and Maddie Collier, um, I think was off the leadership group from a couple of years, but um, definitely New South Wales junior, um, local growing up, and her dear mum travels now to West Coast to support her. She's from Nowra, which is uh, about two and a half hours south from Sydney, um, clocking up the case. So, I'm, you know, certain this is going to be a real tough match for the two teams. I don't think GWS will be happy with the way they've played. Even though they got the win in round one, I think there's still areas that they need to polish. And um, yeah, West Coast, they're obviously they're just going to be desperate to um, be the new team and get a win on the board for sure. Um, I'm guessing the conditions up there are getting better in Sydney. There's had a bit of sunshine yesterday, so the field should um, dry out quite well out at Blacktown and um, should get a reasonable crowd. Um, but I'm going to go with the Orange Army, and I'm going to go GWS by 10 points. Of course, GWS, very unlucky to lose against uh, North Melbourne. Just a bit of inaccurate kicking um, at one crucial point. Could have really put the heat on North, but uh, they would end up going down by 19 points. Um, again, uh, Alicia Eber among their better players. Uh, and, of course, Parker as well has been a standout. That youngster, of course, we saw running around in those VFLW um, invitational matches uh, for the West Coast Eagles. Of course, they were humbled by uh, Fremantle there at um, Optus Stadium. At least a goal there to Mackenzie Dowry. Great to see for that uh, youngster who's, of course, been uh, ch- champion football around under 18s and of course last year was up at the Lions. Emma Swanson uh, finally finding some form and it'll be interesting to see the treatment that Emma Swanson does get from her former teammates, Maddie Collier as well if she runs out uh, for the Eagles on the weekend. Yeah, it will be good and um, hopefully um, Giants get Ali Brush back too. I think she's important um, with her run out of the back line. She's missing in the weekend uh, playing the soccer derby that was in Sydney, um, Sydney FC versus the Wanderers. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think yeah, the Giants will come out with a little bit more um, polish this weekend than what we've seen so far. Three ten p.m. at Princess Park Carlton on Sunday, Richmond, who are sitting zip and two. Uh oh, they run into the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos, who are one and one. Yeah, I think um, I think yeah, Richmond are just 
going to struggle to get a win, to be honest. They um, they have patches of um, good play, and they've got some good players in the team, but I think overall they're just not getting quite the game plan right against their opponents. And, um, and I think, you know, in this kind of competition, you've really got to nail that, and you've got to be able to adjust quickly. And um, North Melbourne, they do it. They've got some very clean players around the field and a lot of pace, and they're playing some good football. So, um, yeah, definitely I would um, look towards North Melbourne this weekend, pick up a fair few goals. And, you know, you look at the centres they've got, um, you know, the the height of um, Kingy in the forward line there, it's pretty hard to stop her when they put the ball on top. And, you know, that solidness of Britt Gibson in the back line. So I think all three lines for North Melbourne are just covered with talent. And um, I don't think Richmond have quite got that level of talent across the board. So, yeah, I'm going to go North Melbourne by 23 points. Emma Carney had a standout game for North Melbourne uh, again uh, against uh, GWS on the weekend. So you would suggest with the benefit of incumbency being a former um, uh, uh, best and fairest winner in the AFLW, the 2018 season, the umpires may look upon her favourably. And without Erin Phillips around, I reckon the market would be shortening there for Emma Carney. But that's if, of course, she doesn't lose votes to another North Melbourne Tasmanian player who's having an outstanding season so far, and that is Jasmine Garner. Yeah, and that's the challenge when you're playing around some really good players in your team is, yes, you could lose votes to the other ones. And, um, yeah, Garner's going fantastic and doing a lot of run and carry the ball. And also um, Jenna Bruton, she's excited to watch too. So, yeah, I think um, the three of them will be sharing those points anyway. And uh, for Richmond, of course, they'll be looking to the likes of uh, Conti and Bernardi to have a good game. Phoebe Monaghan was uh, named best on ground. Their loss against the uh, uh, Gold Coast Suns. But an interesting whack from Beck Goddard, the 2017 AFLW Premiership coach, went on women's footy on the Nine Network. She was asked to make a big call as part of one of their segments. And her big call was Richmond would go winless this season. Wow, <laughs> be cool. Um, but, you know, Beck Goddard knows some stuff about women's footy at this level. So um, she's had success. She knows how to beat teams. And, um, you know, perhaps she has a bit of an insight into the structures or something that they're doing down at um, Tigerland. And, um, you know, she's she's made the call. We'll see if she's right. We'll be celebrating or commiserating with her at the end of the year. Finally, let's have a look at the Cats versus the Crows. That is at 5.10pm local time at Cadinia Park in Geelong. Uh, the Cats at the moment sitting zip and two. The Adelaide Crows at the moment are sitting one and one. Can the Crows get their first win of the season on the road? Can the Cats finally click and get a win on the board. Jeez, I tell you what, the, the, the Cats have been looking ordinary, haven't they? I mean, Fremantle um, it was always going to be a tough task in round one on the road there. But to lose against the Lions, and we're probably underselling the Lions a little bit, but to, to lose like they did against the Lions at home, jeez, what, what's going on down there at Cadinia Park? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I've just always thought of Geelong as not being a high-scoring team. They play some good football around. They've got some good players. They just don't seem to be getting a lot through the big sticks. And, um, you know, I think in the weekend they started really strongly against Brisbane and um, just 
I look at Phoebe Monaghan, I think, you know, she's uh, not Monaghan, um, McWilliams. She's a real good target, talent, great in the air, great shot and goal. But I don't think we've seen much of her so far. So, you know, it could be a point of maybe they set her up a little bit better against Adelaide and, and make better use of her ability. Because um, they've certainly got the players bringing the ball up. You know, Nina Morrison's running great. Rocky Cranston's going great. Um, Astra O'Connor in the ruck, is, she's winning a lot of the hitouts, but she's giving really good direction through those hitouts. Um, you know, I think Geelong did battle well. They're just not getting enough goals. And I think against Adelaide this weekend, that's where they'll suffer again. I think they'll, they'll probably play some nice footy. They just won't get more score than what Adelaide will play. And, you know, Adelaide have got some fire in their belly from, from the weekend. Um, and certainly, you know, it's great to see former giant um, Courtney Gum take some great grabs. That, that one-hander, I think, will be um, probably mark of the year. I think it'll be pretty hard to beat. But um, just clean throughout throughout the field, a lot of good big grabs. So um, I think in total now, Adelaide have had something like, they had five yesterday and I think nine last weekend. So 14 um, deputants for the year so far, which is pretty big for that team that hasn't had a lot of adjustment. Um, just, you know, not, not key changes, just more through injuries. So they've all been now blooded and they're ready for the battle and, um, you know, managed to get the win yesterday. So I'm going to go Adelaide and I'm going to go Adelaide by eight points. And for Adelaide, their best players uh, for them, you could say the old guard of SA football that have been stars uh, in the local competitions for years, Ebony Marinoff, Anne Hatchard, Courtney Gum and uh, Sarah Allen. Yeah, and and Sarah's been doing, you know, so well down the back line. I think what happened last week is when they pushed her into the ruck position, they kind of had left some holes in the back line. So yesterday she seemed to stay down as full back a loop, you know, a lot longer in the game and um, you know, she's really important for them down there. She's really growing into that role and just growing as a player in the last few years for sure. Um and yeah, those other old old headed stalwarts the further up the field, um, you know, now standing up and, um, you know, taking the game on their shoulders a little bit more for the newer ones. So, yeah, Adelaide is going to be a bit too strong, I'm afraid. Well, Coach Kiwi, thanks again for joining us here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. Of course, all thanks to the Sweet Kicks Football Academy. Yes, you're most welcome. And we did, we started our um, our summer prep sessions on Sunday. Um, was a good head out for the girls that came along and they just work on their fitness, their strength and a bit of skill work in preparation for the season. So um, currently got five different clubs. There's different players coming. So exciting and a good way to start the season and um, build some friendship along the way and um, good coffee afterwards. And that concludes the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival for yet another week. This podcast is available via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and the iHeartRadio website and app. And you can also find it at our website, warfradio.com. And don't forget to find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Search WARF Radio. I'm Peter Holden and until 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time next Wednesday, It's bye for now.